I was going to start the message this morning with a question, and the song that Jason led us in worship then answers that question. For the cross that you bore and the debt that you paid to the victory you won over death and the grave, this is the reason I sing. For the hope that you give and the joy that you bring, for the promise that heaven is waiting for me, this is the reason I sing. The question is, why have we gathered this morning? Why have we gathered together as a fellowship for well over 30 years now, many of us? Well, I believe we choose to fellowship together for several reasons, but I want to focus in this morning on two of them in particular. Don't mind if I turn this off. It gets warm, we'll crank it back up. <clears throat> I believe we choose to be here this morning primarily to corporately worship the God that we serve and to grow in the knowledge of him. It's the assembling together of a body of believers who gather in the name of Jesus Christ to worship God in the truth of his revealed word and in the power and direction of the Holy Spirit that produces life in each of us to the glory of God. We gather to experience and to testify to the life and love of a living Lord. The scripture tells us that our God inhabits the praises of his people. As Jason has led us in songs in worship this morning, the connection of our shared focus on loving and serving God has produced a sweet fragrance and aroma of worship that pleases God. This past week, I've been working quite a bit in the yard and, uh, we're redoing a lot of stuff there. And one of the gardenia bushes has been absolutely covered with fragrant blooms. And by design down at the chicken coop, we have a Carolina jasmine bush that's uh, combating other aromas that's been blooming as well. And the smells of both of those plants, the gardenia and the jasmine is just intoxicating to me. I love them. I think our worship is like that to God. It's a sweet fragrance to him. And it should give us great joy to know that when we worship him, we please him. It brings him joy. That should make us want to worship him more and more. The other focus of our gathering this morning is to encourage one another through the word of God to know him more deeply and to follow him more completely. It's my hope and desire that this message this morning will encourage our hearts, sharpen our minds, and quicken our spirits to desire to please and follow him all the more in the coming week. The message this morning can only accomplish those things if it's relevant to where we're living today. Our faith should be relevant. If the message is applicable to the situations in which we find ourselves, and it must be formed and filled with the love of God. Otherwise, it's just noise. It's just talk. First Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3 puts it powerfully when it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What annoying sounds those can be. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. 
And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So it's my prayer this morning that the words I share with you are formed and filled with the love of God. I want you all to know how deeply and affectionately I love you in Jesus. I can look around this room and each of your faces brings to my remembrance moments that you have imparted life to me and to my family and borne witness to me of the love of God in your life. And in so doing, you've imported, imparted to me the life of God. So thank you for loving God and following hard after him. Your walk encourages and encourages me to press on and to pick up the pace. So I love you and I want to contribute something this morning to your lives that will be relevant to what you're experiencing and living this week. And hopefully will encourage you to press on in your faith. No small task for a message, but here we go. So with that in mind, I prayed this week, Lord, what can I share today that will speak to our fellowship in this moment? in this hour where we are. Almost immediately, a question came back to me. What do you need? I thought for a moment, and then I knew of all the things I could ask of God and desire from him that he accomplished in me at this stage of my life, above all the rest, I desire wisdom. Wisdom. Why wisdom, do you ask? That's a good question. <laughs> Wisdom, I believe, is foundational to the life of faith and the walk of the believer. But what is wisdom exactly? Dictionary.com defines wisdom this way. The quality or state of being wise. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. It goes on to say knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. That's a better definition. It's discernment and insight. John Piper, who I love to refer to, takes this definition a little deeper. He defines wisdom this way. The greatest human wisdom is the factual knowledge and the situational insight and the necessary resolve that together have the greatest likelihood of success in achieving the intended righteous goal. That's a lot. Let me go over that again. The greatest human wisdom is the factual knowledge of a situation, the situational insight into that situation, and the necessary resolve, courage, fortitude to have to resolve that together to have the greatest likelihood of success in achieving the goal. Piper expands on this by saying, so wisdom always combines, number one, general knowledge of the facts about reality with, number two, the more specific and the immediate discernment or insight or intuition into the less perceptible but crucial dynamics of the situation with, number three, the necessary resolve to act on that knowledge and that insight. We won't act as wisely as we could if we're ignorant of relevant reality, or if we're undiscerning of the immediate dynamics of the situation, or if we simply don't have the resolve to act because we're lazy or afraid. 
So wisdom is the factual knowledge and the situational insight and the necessary resolve that together have the greatest likelihood of success in achieving the intended righteous goal. I don't know about you. I don't know if you grasp that, but I like that a lot. When we find ourselves in a particular situation, no matter what it is, and we desire the wisdom to make a good decision that will have a successful outcome for, towards God, what we need is a factual assessment of what is real in the situation. We need the insight to discern the best response or course of action to take in that situation. And then we need the courage to do what is necessary with the information we've been given. That's wisdom. When we look at our culture and society today, how much dissonance, discord, disdain, and division could be alleviated if we had more wisdom. But that would require factual information, not misinformation or propaganda. It would require a maturity of insight and a desire for truth and love. And it would require a courage to do what is right above all else. As a society, I'm afraid that we greatly lack wisdom. We're more abundantly supplied, I'm afraid, with folly. It's generally thought, I believe, that wisdom comes with age. That may be true to some extent because of experiences. But we all know some aging adolescents running about promoting folly. The source of wisdom is is deeper than merely the passage of time. It requires a growth of intelligence, humility, and heart that only comes in great measure by the pursuit of faith and a relationship with God. We may think of someone that we know who we believe possesses earthly wisdom, but that pales in comparison to someone who's walked in the paths of righteousness and in humility sought the pleasure and presence of God in their lives. That's a wise person. Godly wisdom, I believe, is often acquired by the believer in Christ in the foundry of pain and suffering with persistence and perseverance. But wisdom is also a gift freely given to those who ask. James 1, 2 through 5 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But no matter how wise we might become, only God's wisdom is perfect and complete, because only God has perfect factual knowledge perfect situational insight, and perfect, omnipotent, all-powerful resolve that together will accomplish his intended purposes and goals. That's divine wisdom. God intends for us to grow in wisdom so that we might accomplish his goals and purposes in our lives. Is it not the goal of the Christian life to walk towards God in obedience to his word? to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit as he leads us into the knowledge of truth and the work of repentance and regeneration and transforming our minds and hearts to be more Christ-like in godliness? 
and holiness to the glory of Christ. That's the Christian life. In our lifetimes, we will not accomplish perfection, but we do choose, we do purpose to press on towards holiness and to do what we must. And to do that, we must grow in wisdom and knowledge. With this in mind, I want us to look at some scriptures regarding wisdom to see how relevant it is this morning to each of our lives and every aspect of them. I want to begin in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It does not take long for the regenerated mind of a new believer that meditates day and night on the law of the Lord to begin to sense the great depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. His wisdom is unfathomable. Its depth cannot be reached. As Holocaust survivor and believer Corey Ten, Ten Boom once famously said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. God is always deeper. Deeper than our sorrows. Deeper than our needs. Deeper than our pain. Deeper than our sufferings. Deeper than our situations. Wisdom mines the depths of God in search of his grace and mercy in our lives. You know, there are many paradoxes in the Christian life. To live spiritually, one must die to oneself. To save our life, we must lose it. To receive, we must give away, etc. Wisdom has a bit of a paradox to it, too, I think. The things of God are foolishness to the natural man. And the things of the world or foolishness to the spiritual man. In order to understand the wisdom of God, one must possess the spirit of God. And the wisdom that God gives the believer is a mystery. It is hidden wisdom, which then, when found in the life of a believer, is for his or her glory, for a fruitful and successful life that results in attaining full and everlasting happiness in the presence of God. <laughs> want to find happiness find wisdom and walk in it that's what the scripture teaches look with me now at first corinthians chapter two where the apostle paul speaks of the wisdom of god revealed by the holy spirit and please note how many times paul uses the word wisdom in this passage and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do not, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. 
But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and with which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. <laughs> but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. and He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wisdom is a mystery. Godly wisdom is hidden wisdom. I remember distinctly as a senior in high school, earnestly desiring to know God the way that some of my classmates did. Their faith was real. It was genuine and it was infectious. I'd been given a Bible a few years earlier when my mom sent my sister and I to summer Bible camp at the local Presbyterian church. So I opened that Bible desperately wanting to understand what my friends had that I did not have. I tried reading it, but it made no sense. It was just words on a page that did not speak to me. A few weeks later, in real desperation for answers in my life, I fell to my knees beside my bed and I cried out to God, God, if you are real, please reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Please forgive me for the sin in my life. And make me a new person. Because I don't like this guy. The next day, I, next day I opened that Bible again. And now the words seemed to jump off the page at me. It was a totally different experience. Suddenly there was context to the content. And I soaked up the word like a dry sponge. A natural man does not accept or understand the things of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot understand the things of God apart from the spirit of God that reveals them. I had to be spiritually born in order to begin to understand spiritual things. This probably doesn't apply, but if you're here this morning and there's a hunger and thirst in your soul that you don't quite understand. But you know that there's something missing in your life. Perhaps this is your answer. When God created us in his image, he instilled in each of us a desire to search for and to find him. King Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3.11 said it like this, God has set eternity in our hearts. You remember, may remember in a message a few weeks back where I referred to the quote attributed to Blaise Pascal, 
There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Men and women all over the world attempt to fill that heart vacuum with all sorts of idols, possessions, money, drugs or alcohol, lust, power, etc. But only God can fill that vacuum. It's God-shaped. Apart from Christ, there will always be something missing in our lives. When we humble ourselves before him and ask him to forgive our sin and to rebellion, our rebellion against him, we ask him to come into our hearts and make us new creatures that we might live to know and serve him. God will always honor that prayer. Every time. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. This is the glory of the gospel. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's the word that I'm speaking to you this morning. Be reconciled to God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. As the old hymn says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. That decision to follow Christ is the first step into eternity in him. It's the beginning of a peace that can only come to a soul satisfied by God himself. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. To decide to follow Jesus is the beginning of a lifelong journey of discovery of the goodness and grace and mercy and faithfulness of God. It's also the beginning of godly wisdom. Second Timothy 3.15 says, From childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The scripture makes us wise unto salvation. Wisdom is a means to a goal, the working of godliness in the lives of those who seek it. The scriptures empowered by the Holy Spirit reveal the truth, the reality of our situation before God, and it gives they give us the necessary resolve to make the right decision for Christ, to be saved by faith in his name. 
the scriptures also empowered by the Holy Spirit, enable us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ, to live a life in obedience to the call of God that leads to salvation, and as a result, to happiness and fulfillment in the peace of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God for all eternity. Proverbs 24, 13 through 14 encourages us this way. I love this. My son, eat honey, for it's good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Wisdom gives a future for our soul. It fulfills our hope. Proverbs 3, 13 through 26 says this, how blessed or happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. And the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. What tremendous promises await those who pursue the wisdom and understanding that are only found in God by the Holy Spirit. John Piper has said, biblical wisdom is not a dead-end street leading to a cul-de-sac of misery. I love that. It's the path to deep and lasting happiness. Meditate on these words again. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and an adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. What a beautiful life that is, promised to a believer that pursues wisdom and understanding. Whatever situation we find ourselves in today, seek the Lord for his wisdom and understanding, knowing that the promises found and the wisdom that comes from God by the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, those promises are punctuated with long life, peace, life, stability, courage, 
sweet sleep and confidence. Proverbs 2, 2 through 9 says, Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Proverbs 4, 7 says the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will place on your head. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Prize wisdom and get understanding. Pursue her. Embrace her. Hold fast. In closing, a thought to consider. In order to become wise, we must first become foolish. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 19 says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may, be, may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. The things of God are foolishness to the natural man. And the things of the world are foolishness to the spiritual man. Let us purpose to pursue wisdom by becoming fools for Christ. Wisdom minds the depths of God. Whatever you're facing today, whatever is perplexing you or constraining you, seek the wisdom of God in that situation. Make a factual assessment of what is real, what is actual in the situation. Pray for the insight to discern the best response or course of action to take. And ask God for the courage to do what is necessary with the information you're given. That's wisdom. And we can build a life on it. Let's pray. Father God, we're very thankful this morning for your grace and mercy that has been poured out within our hearts through the love of God. As evidenced by your giving your only son and that while we were yet sinners that he cried, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. We thank you for your grace and mercy extended to us that has given us life in Christ. We desire that uh, our paths would be paths that would bring you joy and, and pleasure, that we would make right decisions in every area of our lives. And I know we will stumble. You know we will stumble. But the more and more that we mind your depths, the depths of your wisdom in Scripture, as revealed by the Holy Spirit, the more steady our steps will be the paths of peace that will open up to us, the success that will come and the happiness as a result because we're walking in step with you. So Lord, I pray for 
each of us here this morning that whatever we encounter this week, you'd give us the wisdom to take a moment before you, evaluate the reality of the situation, to receive the spiritual insight that we can from the Holy Spirit about the situation, and then give us the courage to act on what you tell us to do. Help us to live in that way that is wise before you, as submitted, obedient, loving children of an amazing and loving Father. God, our lives are so full because of your grace. We have hearts that are full this morning because of your goodness to us. We just desire to be more pleasing to you. We commit ourselves to that in Jesus' name. Amen.